fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, right it is. Welcome into the party, baby. It's a Tuesday, the post-Monday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week. We try to carpe diem all over this place. That's what we do each and every day. Welcome in. Great to have you along for the ride today. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. But we are all over the country. Multiple radio stations, plus the TV and the live streaming and the podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we love you to death. Always appreciate you hanging out with us. As usual, your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Big show lined up today. Man. Uh, let's get our philosophical hats on, shall we? Kevin Slack, he'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour. He is a professor of politics at Hillsdale College. He teaches political philosophy, American political thought, along among other things. So we'll have some fun chatting with him at the bottom of the hour. His latest book, War on the American Republic. Is there a war on the Republic? How many people, show of hands, actually remember that there is a term called the Republic? How many people remember that this, that we actually live in a constitutional republic? Not, as they say in Washington, D.C., in the mainstream media, we do not live in a democracy. So we'll talk about that with Kevin at the bottom of the hour. A lot of crazy stuff going on right now. We have the lawsuit with Dominion and Fox News. That apparently got settled today. Talk about that. Just under a billion dollars Fox News has to pay to Dominion. Uh, election systems. We have the EPA and their uh, vehicle emissions. I've been sitting on that is the, on the back burner, <laughs> pun intended, uh, with the back burner on that story, but we will get to that hopefully today. If not, we'll get to it tomorrow uh, because there's been some other stuff going on. But I want to start off today with some interesting news. I know you laugh at me for this, and I don't really care, but we're going to go down the road today anyways. Weird news of the day. Laugh at me all you want. I don't really care, but there is a hearing going on this week, and I'm trying to remember when it is. Is it Thursday? Wednesday. It's actually tomorrow. All right. Perfect time for this then. On Wednesday, there is the Senate Armed Services Subcommittee on Emerging Threats and Capabilities as they talk about, oh, yes, UFOs and UAPs. Now, okay. For those that don't know, UFOs have been uh, uh, redefined, I guess. They changed the name of them. They're not unidentified air. uh, What is it? UFOs, unidentified aerial phenomenon. They're not those anymore. They're the UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomenon. Yeah, Uh, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. They they're no longer UFOs. They're now UAPs. I don't know why we changed the term. Make them sound a little bit better. The new age, 21st century. Got to call them something different to make it kind of cool and sexy or something. I don't really know. But for the first time in how many years did they say? Like 50 years. This is the second hearing that we've had from this committee releasing information on UFOs. Now, this very well may be a distraction from the major issues of the day, and I'm very well aware of that. Today's tax day. People are still panicking. I just saw those headlines that people are rushing to file their taxes at the end of the day today. Even though they've had a three-day extension to file their taxes, they still have to wait till the last second. That just shows that your emergency does not constitute an emergency on my end. Anybody who lives or works in customer service, anybody who works in retail understands that. You got the person running at the very end of the day trying to like, wait, don't shut the door. And their finger through the door as they're trying to lock it. Like, wait, I have to do this right now. 
And if you don't let me, then you're the most evil, horrible human being on the face of the earth and probably a Trump supporter because you won't allow me to come in on my time. I'm sorry if you're one of those, and I, I'm sorry, not sorry, but uh, be considerate of other people's time as well. We understand everybody's busy. Everybody's got your time, but come on, man. You know the times. You know the hours. You know, working in banking, that was the most ridiculous thing. We'd have our drawers all cashed out. Everything was balanced. We're ready to put the money in the vault, lock up, and go home. And, oh, no, that person that shows up right at 59, I need to do a cash deposit, a major one, and it screws up the entire system. Don't be that guy or gal. Don't do that. Well, today apparently was the day on tax day, which I guess it's kind of funny to watch it at the government level. So I guess all the power to you to file that on on your taxes for the final day there. That's cool. But the government doesn't really care as long as they get it by the end of the day today. Because if you don't do it by today, they're going to slap that big old fine on you and they don't really care what you have as an excuse. I, I know. I know. It's kind of frustrating, but, you know, that's the world that we live in. I'm sorry. I thought this was America. Well, <laughs> it is, as long as you pay your taxes and you're a good, nice little social credit scored American doing what the bidding that the government wants you to do. Nonetheless, today's tax day, people are filing their taxes, and I know that that's a major issue, especially with the debt ceiling. They're waiting for how much revenue is going to be done based on the filings that are happening today to know how much money we're going to have in the bank to be able to pay our debts for as long as we can until the debt ceiling hits, and then we have to either shut down the government or raise the debt ceiling like the Democrats want to. That's all important. I know there's many other issues we need to address, but to me, being the nerd and the dork and the weirdo that I am, I want to talk about UFOs for just a second. The unidentified flying objects that are now the unidentified aerial phenomenon, the UAPs, where for the second time in 50 years, the Senate Armed Services Subcommittee is discussing this issue with a few things on their mind. And the reason I bring this up now is because I know that some people may believe in it, they may not believe in it, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but according to Politico.com, the Pentagon has released a new survey or study saying that they believe that major sightings that could be potentially like, you know, big old rocks flying in space could actually be motherships of ETs. I, I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's why this is important. So in a draft paper that was drafted back in March 7th, Sean Kirkpatrick, the head of the Pentagon's all-domain anomaly resolution office, He's also a Harvard professor, uh, wrote about the objects would appear to defy all physics that could be probes from extraterrestrial parent crafts, the motherships that are landing. Now, for those in certain realms and certain communities that say that they somehow have met these or have been abducted or that, that communicate with them in some ways, they've been saying this stuff for years, which is why I'm fascinated by them, because I think that's awesome. Well done. <laughs> I, if you can talk to extraterrestrials, then you're a lucky bastard, I guess. Why the hell not? But <laughs> nonetheless, the government's now getting on board with this as well, which is why I'm starting to be skeptical, because when the government says stuff, usually they lie. But if they're starting to slowly get us comfortable with the concept, then I'm open to it. So there's a lot of questions that are going to be at this hearing that's tomorrow, including the uh, near, what was it, 366 recent reports of UAP incidences, saying that according to analysts, that more than half of those 366 are exhibiting, quote, unremarkable characteristics, meaning they fly in weird patterns, they're not privy to, like, the laws of physics. They can just kind of zigzag throughout space. Now, maybe some of these are drones. Maybe some of these are high technology that we have. That's the question. What are these things? Or are they completely off planet? 
an extraterrestrial. I know, people are shaking their heads. I don't really care, man, because I enjoy this. Uh, the report from 2021 says that UAPs, quote, appeared to remain stationary in winds aloft, moving against the wind, maneuver abruptly, or move at considerable speeds without discernible means of propulsion. 366 of those, as they say, and they're saying, what the heck's actually going on here? They're also looking at a few specific videos that we have that the military has documented. At the same time, in the face of government silence, citizen scientists have been conducting different analysis of three different Navy videos showing three uh, geometrical and three-dimensional models demonstrating that the objects exhilarate extraordinary flight dynamics described by eyewitnesses. The cases go on and on and on. Now, this is, again, the same time where the Pentagon is thinking that could be thinking of extraterrestrial motherships in the area. And one more to throw at you for the bone before we shift gears here. The Vatican, which I have a very difficult time trusting based on the fact that they have an entire Vatican library that's miles deep underground. It will not let anybody see these historical things that should be made public for humanity to decide their own beliefs and understanding of history in some way, shape, or form. So to hell with you, Vatican. I don't like you in any way, shape, or form. But they're creating a new observatory on, quote, mystical phenomena, including studying the weeping statue of Mary and ghost sightings around the world. According to the Daily Mail, the Vatican Academy set to investigate the mystical phenomenon uh, where the Pontifical Mariana International Academy it describes itself as a scientific institution of the Holy See who will hope to uncover around 100 ongoing phenomena and investigate them throughout the world. It will delve into ghost sightings, interior locations, and stigma, uh, stigma regarding certain issues, the beliefs of body marks, scars, and pains corresponding to crucifixions and the wounds of Jesus Christ. Uh, at the same time, the Observatory Scientific Committee said that in Italy there are around 100 ongoing phenomena that the church is following up closely on these cases something's going on and we need to know what the hell it is between ufos between ghost sightings we need to figure it out and the fact that it's in mainstream and now the government and the vatican's actually researching these things i think that we're on to something what do you think what do you think i agreed yeah all right enough of that let's go ahead and shift gears to the uh, big stuff of the day right Andy, you're crazy. What's trending today? I get it. It's the nutso. Weird news of the day. <laughs> that was our weird news of the day. Thank you very much. All right, let's get into some of the other issues. The state of Montana. Let's go up there for a minute, shall we? And we've talked quite a bit, and I know that you're probably tired of hearing about this issue as well, but it's an important one, and it goes a lot deeper than what we've talked about regarding the Restrict Act and the ongoing discussion about banning TikTok in the nation. The state of Montana is looking at being the very first state in the nation to ban the social media site completely, outright, statewide, for all citizens, for everybody, which is run by the Republican legislature up in Montana with their passage of the bill, 54 to 43, approving the bill and sending it to the Republican governor, who's expected to sign the bill, saying that TikTok is a, quote, significant threat to state security and data privacy. As the bill prohibits mobile app stores from allowing Montana residents to download TikTok as of January 1st of 2024, it does not, however, specify how the state would enforce or monitor aspects of the ban. And we could go down the road of discussing why it's completely unenforceable, because if you have a phone, are they going to do it based on your internet provider in the state? Are they going to do it based on your area code of your phone, in which case people from out of state that still have that zip code or that area code uh, uh, 
could be living out of state but still be able to download the app. How do you tell the app stores to say anybody with that's a resident within the state limits of Montana not to give them access to this app? Logically, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm honestly a little ashamed of Republicans that would think that doing it at a statewide level like this, although as much as we believe in states' rights and the concept of federalism with states handling issues on their own, I'm a little ashamed of Republicans that would go down this road thinking that they can enforce such a law. Because the two questions that we should always be asking when we pass a law, whether at the city level, the county level, the state level, the national level, any of these, the two questions you need to ask is how do you pay for it and how do you enforce it? How do you do it? Does it grow the size of government to enforce these things? And does it raise taxes to pay for the enforcement of said law that you're trying to pass? How do you enforce a TikTok ban only in one particular state when it's a global app that's available on a global Android or Apple Pay Store for you to download and say, sorry, but us here specifically within these boundaries are not going to be allowed to do this? I don't know logically how you enforce something like this. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and Republicans should have thought that a little bit through. Maybe it's more of just a point that they want to make. They want to take a stand, uh, firm stance and just let people know that, you know, even though we can't enforce it, at least we have it on the books that we don't like TikTok. We don't want China to be observing our citizens in the states. And maybe they're just trying to make it as a point. Okay, point taken. But now how are you going to enforce it now that it's on the books? There's a deeper story to this, though, that we'll get into when we come back here on a post-Monday for The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, I feel better. I'm getting messages regarding the whole UFO subcommittee thing. I know that it's a distraction. I know people are not really as concerned about it, but it's still a fascinating conversation, and I'm glad people enjoy that. One of these days, man, I'm telling you, one of these days, I will guest host in for George Norrie on Coast to Coast AM. I'm just throwing it out there. One of these days, we will have fun and go all out and talk about nothing but that for like that five-hour program that's overnight with Coast to Coast AM. Hat tip to George Norrie. We've had him on the program before. Wonderful individual. He's one of the guys. There are a few people out there that I looked up as radio icons that encouraged me to get into radio. And he was definitely one of those. I've listened to his program for years, all the way since college, and uh, phenomenal information. We've interviewed him on the program a couple of times. Great stuff. Anyways, all right. uh, So we'll do that again tomorrow. We may cover that topic again once the committee hearings are actually going. Uh, Right now, though, the TikTok ban in Montana, logical, not logical. I'd love to get your thoughts on this issue now that the state is waiting for the governor's signature to ban TikTok outright for citizens across the state of Montana. And while it's illogical just for the enforcement aspect of it, again, the two questions for logical thinking, critical thinking, conservative Republicans here should be how do we pay for it and how do we regulate it? And if it grows the government in any way in those two questions, either increasing taxes or increasing enforcement, then it's probably not the most conservative aspect to take. Now, again, you could say, well, we'd rather have the states enforcing this issue because we don't like China and China's evil and we want to try and keep you know, China away from uh, our stuff and we don't want them spying on us and so on and so forth. And if that's the position you take, then that's totally cool. Now, I would like to remind you that the country as a whole imported almost $80 billion worth of household goods and technology from China 
in 2022 alone. So if we're concerned about TikTok, then maybe we shouldn't buy technology from China anyways, like Chinese-made computers and Chinese-made cell phones and Chinese-made like computerized toys and games and video games. I'm just throwing that out there. If we're going to be consistent, let's be consistent here and let's not say that China's evil and bad, but yet go to Walmart and buy up a whole bunch of imported Chinese technology that probably has some way to track what you're doing on there as well. So again, like I said before with this whole TikTok ban, either let's ban all social media or ban none of it, because to me, especially with the way that the Restrict Act magically came about really, really quickly when this issue came on about the concerns of China with this Restrict Act, that doesn't even mention China or TikTok on there. It just says that it bans any type of foreign-based social media company really tells me that there's a more malicious aspect to this with the government wanting to enforce uh, and try and cancel out any type of social media or any type of outside force that allows you to get any type of conversation or dialogue or information other than what they want you to actually have. Because Google and YouTube and all the social media that's based out of here in the country, the government's privy to all that and they decide what's on there or not. Just look at all the document leaks that uh, Elon Musk has been putting on Twitter uh, from the election and all the concealed information that Twitter was censoring with individuals. So that's a cause for concern. And that's why I do not like the fact that the government's wanting to regulate this in some way, shape or form. But there's a deeper issue that is conservatives. I want you to ponder for just a second as well is if we allow the government to regulate social media apps to control what social media app or what website you're allowed to go to or not allowed to go to. Are we going down the road of things that conservatives say they're very concerned about is regulating morality or regulating safety based on government control? I know it's kind of a silly direction to go with this on a broader spectrum, but it's important because if we're concerned, well, we're concerned about the safety from China to access things. So we're going to ban it. All right. But what does that open up? What kind of Pandora's box does that allow later on for the government to regulate? Well, you can't go to certain websites. Some states have tried to ban sites of like adult content. And while I don't condone adult content in any way, shape or form on the Internet, that's one of the largest parts of the interweb in some way. And do you really have the right or do you want the government to tell you to go to a website or not? Then it leads into, well, certain religious content. It could be extremists. Don't want that religious content. What about purchasing guns online? Can't do that. That's an extremist thing for radicals. What about just conservative news and content at all? Are you allowing the government to regulate the internet that the way? Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. John Wright of his Reason, Common Sense, Rationale. Welcome back into the program. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride, especially on a post-Monday celebration. We're just carpe diemisms all over the place. That's a new word, and I'm sticking to it. Welcome back in. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. As we kind of wrap up the conversation that we had in the last segment regarding this ban on TikTok from Montana, not very enforceable, but if that's what you want to do, just to take a stand and make a statement, cool, I guess. But it doesn't, to me, I'm concerned about the direction we're going about just banning social media sites while I get the concern with China. Totally understand it. 
I get it. At the same time, the Restrict Act, especially at the federal level, is one of the worst pieces of legislation we could possibly see because it doesn't even mention TikTok. It just says any foreign-based social media site that we have the right and the privy based on the Department of Commerce and the, the Commerce Secretary, not government, not the legislature, not the elected officials, the Secretary of Commerce to decide if it's not worth it and if it's a threat to national security. I don't know what the t- Secretary of Commerce has to do with threats to security here in the country and then just to say well we can't enforce it we can't regulate what kind of content you're seeing on there therefore it's a threat because you could get information we don't want you to see and therefore we're going to go ahead and ban that social media app i'm very concerned about the pandora's box that we're about to open if we go down this road but it's the republicans in montana with that vote of 54 to 43 in their house that sent it to the Republican governor for him to sign that sounds like it's going to be happening relatively soon. I did see a uh, comment online that said we can audit the government to hold them accountable for anything. (laughs) I mean, I guess you could. See how well that works out for you. I've yet to see an audit from the government that came out and said, yeah, you guys are spending way too much money. You're over-regulating. You're obstructing the Constitution. And we need to, like, rein in your governmental policies and rein in taxes and actually get rid of half of these agents. I have yet to see that audit come out to say that's what you need to do and actually see it followed through with. So good luck with that. It's a possibility. Theoretically, it should work. But good luck with that. All right, let's shift gears. What's trending today? We'll talk about some of that and more. Really happy to have this guy on the program for the first time on The Voice of Reason. And we're going to go uh, kind of down that same road of conversation. He's a professor of politics at Hillsdale College, teaching political philosophy and American political thought. That was the one class in college, baby, that I actually aced and it, it actually showed up for my freshman year of college. He's also authored the book, The War on the American Republic. Excited to have on the program, Kevin Slack. Kevin, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Good to be here. Yeah, I am excited to have you on the program. Here's I love hearing the word republic because I don't hear it from elected officials or from the mainstream media any longer. I hear about the term democracy. And we don't live in a democracy, but how many people actually are aware of that fact? I'm not sure that there's many. Uh, and one of the things I always challenge the students on is when you say democracy, what are you talking about? Right In the older view, democracy would have been traced to a certain regime type, right? The majority of people actually make the laws for themselves. Um, and, of course, republicanism was a way of avoiding the problems of democracy through, uh, through elected representatives making the laws. But when we say democracy today, now we just mean some vague ideal, uh, and it's this empty, empty form you can put in whatever content you want. Yeah. Is it done by design that way? Are they trying to maybe dumb us down or just make us ignorant of what kind of governmental system we actually have so that way they can utilize it to their best abilities? I think so. I think when you go back to the origin of the, the I mean, democracy as a word has been around for a long time, of course, but in, in the progressive era, uh, one of the, uh, all the progressive thinkers, here we're going back 100 years, they championed progressive democracy at the same time that they wanted to delegate lawmaking authority to experts, right? You mentioned the Commerce Department uh, uh, regulating, uh, you know, all these uh, online social media platforms. Uh, and the whole point was was to actually remove uh, lawmaking from the, the people's elected representatives. So I do think there's something of a charade going on there, but it was an effective way of trying to package some of the older ideals in radically new institutions. 
Yeah. How many of these four, I like to call it the fourth branch of government, these bureaucratic agencies, the the IRS, Department of Commerce, Department of Treasury, Department of Education, Department of this, agency of that. How many of them are actually constitutional and how were they able to get away with creating all these by just loading them up on the executive branch out of all places to where Congress, who's supposed to be writing the legislation, just sits back and works with the agency, lets them propose the bill, and then they just sign off on it and send it to the to the president. Yeah, you know, we, we call them uh, we call them part of the executive branch, but in reality, they're part of a fourth branch. Um, the Supreme Court ruled, you know, back in 1935 that you had these, you know, quasi-executive, quasi-legislative, uh, quasi-judicial functions, uh, and it meant that the president couldn't fire people within the bureaucracy, and essentially carved out this whole fourth branch of government where it's very hard to fire somebody, right? Bureaucrats are like headless nails. Once you pound them in, they're not coming out. And what's really disturbing is, is the percentage of them that were so clearly uh, against the executive branch under the Trump administration, where they formed a quote-unquote resistance. So here you have those who should be just fulfilling these tasks and their functions, uh, and yet they seem to embrace this political power uh, and uh, support the Democratic Party. So taxpayer money goes to support a particular political party. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Now, here's the big question is now that we have them, is there any chance of actually downsizing them or getting rid of them altogether? I mean, during COVID pandemic, we just saw the report that the jobs that were created since COVID, 80% of them have actually been public sector government jobs, which means we're expanding the government massively. And I've never seen the government go downward after it's grown itself. I think that the Republicans, if if they decide to play hardball, can find all kinds of ways to fire uh, those uh, that are open Democrats in the bureaucracy. You see how the Democrats have been able to do this. Um, it, look at the the way that they conducted purges uh, in the National Guard. Uh, you could you could argue that the vaccine mandate was a way of trying to get rid of political dissidents uh, within the armed forces uh, and so on. Uh, what could Republicans do? One thing uh, that they could do is they can turn. Uh, the uh, the argument of in favor of equity against itself, right? They could argue that uh, we have no need for these diversity, equity, and inclusion positions, right? In every single university, the compliance officers and so on, by saying they've only endorsed uh, racist policies uh, that are discriminatory, and you could come up with a constitutional reason. Uh, but Republicans with some executive orders could do away uh, with much of that bureaucracy. I think you see Ron DeSantis is toying around with this in Florida. The question is, is are other red states governor is going to do the same mm, that's a question uh now you just opened up a whole other pandora's box here this new concept of esg kind of this new social uh credit score that we're seeing coming out of china now we have here where uh many businesses that are going quote unquote woke because they're concerned about being able to qualify for bank loans or government grants or government funding in some way shape or form this new system of you either get in line with our wokeness and progressive agenda or else you're not going to qualify and be able to live under our system is this a concern, and is this almost to the point of going too far beyond us being able to stop something like this? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a concern, and you, you find this after the uh, the Great Recession, that uh, instead of, if you look at the, the banks that were, that were blamed uh, for the speculation in the subprime mortgages, uh, that uh, the, the effect of the legislation passed, Dodd-Frank, was to more radically centralize those very banks. Uh, and it seems like one of the deals that was struck was with the Democratic Party to buy off some of their constituents. Uh, you know, and I, I tell the students, the Democrats are uh, they're pretty smart when it comes to grift, uh, that they have to win elections in order to pay off all the groups that they promise goodies to, whereas the Republicans like to get their money on the front end and then not necessarily have to deliver on the back end. 
Uh, and what becomes very concerning is, is if you see what happens in Canada, a move towards a digital currency would uh, would restrict the ability of of any of us uh, to purchase or to deal in in the uh, or, for example, cash in, uh, in in the euro in Europe. You can't have do business over over a thousand euro, or else it's against the law. Uh, what can we do to push back? I mean, uh, it it would look like the these upcoming elections would be of vital importance on these issues. That's scary. That's scary. I wasn't aware that UK was uh, was doing that over there as well. We're talking with Kevin Slack, professor of polit- uh, politics at Hillsdale College, also the book War on the American Republic. Let's go philosophical for a second here as well, obviously, since you teach American political thought and political philosophy, which was the class that I actually did very well in in college and I enjoyed it. But talk about the differences between liberalism today and classical liberalism back in the day that seems to be kind of the conservative movement now. When did we start seeing that transition? And is it the same thing? Yeah, definitely not. And if you go back and you read the uh, the older progressives, the 1880 to 1920, or that group that called themselves the liberals in the 1930s, and that's when it really comes into vogue, right? FDR is part of this liberal movement. They're explicitly writing uh, that they reject the older liberalism, and they distinguish between the two. Uh, and they say the older liberalism was about individual rights. Uh, you think about the older, what we call classical liberalism. It was about individual rights. That was the end of uh, the end of government, the securing of these natural rights, the way uh, Jefferson put it in the Declaration. Uh, and also these individual rights that included property rights. And so there's a certain form of economic policy that went along with those rights you had as a Republican citizen. And they were saying, no, actually, we are going to have, in the words of John Dewey, a, quote, renascent liberalism. We're going to take and claim that word liberal to mean something else. And it's going to mean we need to actually expand and grow the size of government if we're going to achieve these new positive rights. And so they condemned the older view of natural rights as being merely negative rights, where you're free because the government will stay out of your business, generally. Yeah. Uh, and they praise the idea of positive rights, these new positive, uh, uh, the way the government would meddle in your business to actually help you become freer. It's an interesting transition where they go from, you know, obviously a higher power being able to grant you the rights. You have these human rights that are just guaranteed by the government, but then we transition it to it and say, well, they're the ones actually giving it to us and they can take it away at any time as well. Kevin, we got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Sure can. Awesome. I love this conversation. I want to continue it on. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask on how they're continuously attacking the republic, even with all the stuff we've already talked about and what we can, we can do to try and stop some of this. The elections are a huge part of it. We see the movement for the national popular vote. Also, some of the changes constitutionally as well, you know, like the 17th Amendment that may have changed things a little bit as well and how we can get back on track. And is there a possibility to start fixing things on that front. We'll do that with Kevin Slack. The book is War on the American Republic. He's also a professor at Hillsdale College. Love that college as well. Wish I would have gone there myself. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll continue that conversation. Liberalism, classical liberalism, populism, progressivism, where the heck do all these terms come from? All that and more right around the corner. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome back into the program. Last few minutes of the show as we try to cram as much as we can into this short amount of time we have together. So welcome into it. We're hanging out with Kevin Slack. He is the author of the book War on the American Republic. Also professor at Hillsdale College as well. 
professor of politics, teaching political philosophy, American political thought. Uh, now, Professor, I have to ask you this because, again, I told you this is like the one class I actually showed up to in college was American political thought. My professor that taught that at Bowling Green State University in Ohio walked in with his Hawaiian T-shirt and his shorts, and the very first thing out of his mouth said that he is a libertarian socialist. I, I, I still have not been able to decipher that one, but maybe you could enlighten me on that one. <laughs> sure. Uh, libertarian socialism was a phrase uh, used by Herbert Marcuse in the late 60s, but other radicals in the 60s. Uh, the idea there is there's going to be a socialist economy, but there's going to be a general libertarianism with regard to personal moral issues, uh, what, um, uh, the idea of uh, the polymorphous perversity. And so there'd be a celebration of what had hitherto been called perversions in the realm of sexuality, um, there's also be a new kind of an alliance, a new understanding of the proletariat. Instead of it being uh, class-based, the new enemy would be the middle class, uh, the industrial middle class. He calls it uh, the class that falls under the Promethean image. And the white progressive radicals, this is in the beginning of uh, Eros and Civilization, the 1966 political preface, that the white progressive radicals would ally with the, quote, wretched of the earth, which is to say um, those freedom fighters in third world countries on the side of communism, uh, as well as uh, single women, minorities, and so on. Wow. See, that explains him exactly. That was exactly his characteristics, too. He, he was a great guy, and he, he gave me an A in the class, but yeah, he, he definitely was uh, more on the radical activist side of that. So that's, that's very interesting. I appreciate that. All these years, it's baffled me how you could be a libertarian and socialist all at the same time. So that's, uh, that's fun. Uh, real quickly, a couple more of these. Uh, as we talk about this war on the republic, and we're trying to preserve this constitutional republic that we have. Uh, I brought up the national popular vote earlier. Is that one of the more extreme cases of a something that could potentially destroy this nation being an actual republic? Yeah, I think so, because republicanism isn't just, it's not just referring to a national government. Republicanism is a thread that unifies uh, Americans uh, to their core, to their character, uh, and then that virtue that they have as citizens is uh, is also carried out in the institutions. So, if you're going to be Republican, it means that you're you're helping to guide the policies on your school board, your local governance, your county government, your state government, and so on. And it also spills over into private associations. Uh, think about uh, the way people form churches, uh, the way they form corporations, as recognized under the state charters. Uh, so when we talk about republicanism, we're talking about institutions of representative government uh, and each uh, given sovereignty over certain objects, right? Most of them local and state, uh, but it also refers to the habits of a people. So I think that is a real threat to Republican government because what they don't mean is making sure there's self-government and trying to trying to reinvigorate uh, what James Madison called the the primary precautions, right? Not the auxiliary precautions of the institutions, but citizen virtue. And they're trying to uh, make the decisions from these large centers uh, of urban voters in California and in New York to tell people in other parts of the country uh, what to do. Yeah. To kind of go off on that, we got just about a minute and a half left here as we kind of wrap up. But uh, the concept of populism, we've heard populism a little bit more as Donald Trump has been described as a populist and not necessarily an ideologue on one side or the other. Is that beneficial to a society or is that dangerous by getting on board with a populist agenda? You know, I think the key word there is agenda. Uh, you know, what what is uh, what is somebody like Donald Trump promising to do? Uh, you know, with regard to, say, trade, immigration, and war, those are the things that, you know, if you could define three policies, 
that he was running on, those would be it. So what is he what is he trying to do? If populist just means right, people support the uh, the platform, fine. They, you know, one of the dangerous uh, ideas is that people uh, don't look to policy at all, and that they are kind of beholden to an individual without questioning uh, what the actual goals of that individual are. Yeah. I think you're going to be my new favorite guest on this program. I love the concept. It's War on the American Republic. Go and check it out. You can find it on Amazon, other places as well. It's Kevin Slack, uh, professor at Hillsdale College. Kevin, we appreciate all the time, my friend. So many more directions we could go on this. we got to get you back on again real soon. All right, thank you. Hey, appreciate it very much. Good stuff. There it is. Lots to break down, lots to ponder and chew on as we go into the evening here uh, for the rest of the day, all these different concepts. So remember, we're trying to defend and preserve what this nation was all about what we're trying to fight for this american constitutional republic not the democracy like we hear about oh so much that does it for us today podcast to back up in a little bit we're back at it again tomorrow who do we have tomorrow i don't even have my calendar in front of me another great guest we'll look forward to it until then we'll see you then up podcast up in a bit be your own voice of reason it's time for you to speak up speak out speak loud speak proud speak the truth and always speak some reason this is the voice of reason i'm andy hoosier we'll see you on the radio